And now, live, it's time. Carr will go back into the gun. Jacobs cuts, middle walks in. Jackpot, baby. Josh Jacobs, touchdown. It's time for the JT the Brick Show. We have a good team. We have a good team that competes with uh, Suffolk all the time. On Raider Nation Radio, 920 AM. We don't feel like effort's been an issue at all. It's the handoff. Bust toward the end of Jackpot, baby. Pinion Drake takes it home. Here's your host, JT the Brick. JT back with you as we continue. It's hour number two on Raider Nation Radio on a tragic day. We're covering the breaking news story of the fatality car accident that Henry Ruggs III was involved with uh, earlier this morning, 3.39 in the morning. Uh, This is the biggest story in sports now, even though it's the NFL trade deadline. uh, All major sports outlets are covering this story as we come back here at the top of the hour. Uh, There's not much more we can do. We read the statement from the Raiders. We'll do that here on the flagship at the top of every hour. At least I'll do it on this show. The Raiders are aware of an incident involving Henry Ruggs III that occurred this morning in Las Vegas. We are devastated by the loss of life, and our thoughts and prayers go out to the victim's families. We're in the process of gathering information, and we'll have no further comment at this time. So that's where we begin again this hour as we are gathering more information Las Vegas Metro broke this story earlier today at approximately 3.39 a.m. The Las Vegas Metro responded to a traffic collision near the intersection of South Rainbow and South Spring Valley Parkway involving a Chevy Corvette and a Toyota RAV4. Responding officers located the Toyota on fire. Fire department personnel responded and located a deceased victim inside the Toyota. The preliminary investigation indicates that the front of the Chevrolet Corvette collided with the rear of the Toyota. The driver of the Corvette, identified as 22-year-old Henry Ruggs III, remained on the scene and showed signs of impairment. He was transported to UMC Hospital to be treated for non-life-threatening injuries. Ruggs will be charged with DUI, resulting in death. That was the update. That was the last update from Metro on the situation. Uh, TMZ, that has been on this story first, continues to report at TMZ.com, and we'll wait for more information as it comes out uh, throughout today. Uh, TMZ's most latest update was one hour ago as they are reporting on what could happen going forward. Henry has an attorney. The NFL just released a statement on the Ruggs incident saying, quote, our hearts go out to the family and friends of the victim of this horrific tragedy. We will continue to gather facts and monitor the matter under our policies, but our thoughts at this time are with those impacted by this devastating incident. That comes from the NFL executive offices. And it's tough to look at. The images are up there at TMZ. Uh, This was a very violent car accident. And the Raiders have addressed this. I read that statement here. According to TMZ, cops tell TMZ that Ruggs was behind the wheel, driving his Corvette when it crashed into the RAV4. The Toyota caught on fire. The first responders immediately located a deceased person in the vehicle. Uh, The sources here are saying that at least one person involved in the accident had died. Ruggs will be represented by David Chesnoff and Richard Schoenfeld. Their uh, comment to their client, uh, 
and they put this out a little while ago. On behalf of our client, Henry Ruggs III, we are conducting our own investigation as of this writing and ask everyone to reserve judgment until after all the facts are uh, gathered. Uh, 10.27 a.m. Pacific, a source close to Ruggs tells us that he's expected to be okay. The condition of the other people involved in the crash is still unclear. So that's the latest on Henry Ruggs III. There was a picture that he posted last night at Top Golf. Uh, reportedly, he was there. He posted a video from the facility just before midnight at Top Golf uh, next to the MGM, and the accident happened at 3:39 a.m. Uh, that that'll be the focus of the show today. This breaking news, which is tragic, tragic. Paul Gutierrez will join us a little bit later on. We already booked Sam Monson uh, to talk football from Pro Football Focus. We'll get into football coming up here. But, you know, Raider Nation is hurting right now. There's a lot of fans here. We are clearly focused on the victim who passed away and the victim's family or families and how they are impacted by that. So no speculation here, no gossip, uh, no no playing this out in the court system, not on this show. We're going to ca- uh, cover this professionally. But we know that people need to talk about this because you're deeply affected as a fan of this organization that has been through a lot. Uh, let's get out to Reggie in North Las Vegas. Go ahead, Reggie. You're up next. JT, as always, I appreciate you so much because I know the struggle you did and had to get where you at, and I appreciate what you do on your show. Right now, I wasn't going to call in, but then – my professional background and being in the military and dealing with leadership kicked in. And I met Henry Ruggs when we first drafted him, and I had a, a, a small conversation with him, and he felt like a, a nephew or a son, you know what I mean? Like I really right. felt connected to him. I have four boys of my own, two of which is only a year older than he is, and in the military, one of the things that they they cause us to do, we have to mature in our in our own life so that we could protect others. And when something like this happened, you get so numb. I know I I was super numb and didn't didn't want to call in. It, it's it's I'm more numb now than I was with Gruden. But the thing about this is, it's a time for us. To, it's an opportunity for the leadership to. Go to others and cry out that you cannot make these type of mistakes. Mm. Simply driving at that time of day or being out too late, whatever. We don't know what he was doing and all of that, but it doesn't matter. You got to be a little smarter. Everybody else that might find yourself in that predicament, think first. That's that first and foremost. And my prayers and everything go out to the family. That that's the numbing part is that somebody died in this. Yeah. Raider Nation, we we just got to stand up and support where the Raiders go from here. JT, mm-hmm. I appreciate you. And mm-hmm. don't drink and drive. Don't smoke and drive. Don't don't do anything and be out on the roads. That's all I got to say. Yeah. Raider Nation, you know, unite. Appreciate it. You know, I got a. It's incredible. I got a son that's twenty, and Henry's twenty-two. And when you you hear parents preaching this all the time, nothing good happens after a certain time at night. It's a little bit later in Vegas because Vegas is a late-night town. And the team has been doing everything right when it comes to being on the field. 
and acting the right way in this town. As I've told you, and I've been on radio shows. I go on a lot of other radio shows as a guest, you know, when the Raiders are coming up playing a team. And a year ago, everybody would ask me in the interview, well, do you think that the Raiders are going to mess up in Vegas? Is there going to be a problem with the team in Vegas? And I said, of course not. Vegas is no different than San Francisco, Miami, New York City, Los Angeles. The roads in Los Angeles are a lot more dangerous at 3.30 in the morning than they are in Vegas for obvious reasons. But and we've been through COVID, so the strip bars and the nightclubs are all pretty much closed. So there hasn't been anything to talk about in regards to the Raiders' behavior out on the town. You know, if there was no COVID, every night of a bye week or an off night, you could say, hey, why wouldn't you go to a nightclub, get bottle service, get a limo? There's nothing wrong with that. You're an adult. You're making millions of dollars. Go out and have fun. But I'm just surprised by this. Uh, One of my best friends has worked a lot of events with Henry since he's been here, and mostly signings. There's a lot of signings because he has a lot to sign. He has Alabama National Championship gear. He's got Raiders' first ever draft pick in Las Vegas. There's a lot of things for him to sign, and he's been nothing but a gentleman. And my buddy's one of my best friends, and he, he knows character, and he said, great kid, always saying the right thing. This is a tragic, tragic mistake. And I've, I've done these shows enough to know that there are certain things that are mistake-driven, and then there are things that you deserve. There are reckless decisions. I don't know. This was very reckless, it looks like. There's an ongoing investigation. We were not there. The police are gathering information. I don't know what Henry was doing in his car, how fast he was driving, what happened. But we know there was a fatality. And we know it happened at 3.39 in the morning. And it doesn't take much to put the pieces together and figure out that a lot of bad decisions were made. And that's very unfortunate. And I'm just comfortable that the organization I know and the players who I don't know as well, for obvious reasons, a lot of new players on this team, but they'll come together. Max Crosby, who's sober and is a leader and one of the best defensive players. He's playing like a defensive MVP. MVP. That's how good he's playing. Derek Carr a man of faith and a leader, they'll take control, Yannick Ngakwe. They'll take control, Casey Hayward, of this locker room. And this will bring, hopefully, the locker room together and make it even tighter. And they'll remain friends with Henry, and they'll be there to pray for him and to help him out along the way. You heard what Derek had to say about Coach Gruden after that news broke and how he handled that and Derek's faith and how he sticks and he's loyal. I mean, a lot of people in this organization and in the locker room who are loyal to Henry, as Henry will go through the worst chapter of his life, and he's going to have to come out of it on his own. No one can help him here at this point after what happened this morning. It's devastating news. Ryan in Utah, you're up next on the flagship. Hello, Ryan. Hey, JT. Um, First-time caller, love the show. Uh, Thoughts and prayers uh, go out to everybody involved. Um, Another uh, rough day for... uh, the Raiders and Raider Nation. Um, I just wanted to, to share, you know, my experience real quick before everybody um, rushes to judgment and, and starts crucifying uh, Henry. And that was, uh, I was involved in a DUI crash uh, where <clears throat> I nodded off behind the wheel, uh, hit another vehicle. At that time, I had had some some problems with uh, sleep and and things like that and been taking some prescription medication. Um, The police uh, 
felt that that I was acting impaired and and initially charged me with DUI and they took some blood um the blood came back and said that um the the limits were a little too high right. um than they should have been um and because I don't have a lot of money I I ended up just having to to you know make a deal on that um so my point All right, being, I, I want to I, I don't want to talk about I, your situation sounds like you've gotten through it is that the yeah. positive other you went through a difficult time you've come out the other side you're in a good place yeah yeah I, I'm mm. just saying you know there's a lot of things that mm. are involved in in this whole kind of process right yep appreciate the call there is and I know that you know I've, I've covered the the story here I, we didn't cover it as a news but we covered it as a news breaking story of Zion the Bishop Gorman basketball player who you know, was going to UNLV in a similar situation here. Same attorney, by the way. And this will play out in the legal system here. Henry has the resources and ability to have an attorney help him navigate through these legal waters that are going to be, I don't know, I don't know, I don't know where to rate it. I'm not an attorney here. But this will be the biggest test of his life. And we'll see. I'm not here to talk about his remorse. And what he's thinking, I'm not going to speculate on that. But we will starting tomorrow, because this week's going pretty quick, coming off the bye week, as the Raiders will have press conferences coming up tomorrow from a coaching perspective. we got to get ahead of this Giant game. And watching the Giant game last night, very interesting to me, the way the Giants played. They played good enough to win, but they made so many dumb mistakes late in the game that that should encourage Raider fans that they can beat this team. But the Raiders now have this cloud of what happened when Henry Ruggs III in the fatality car accident. How did they react to that? Do you remember how many Raider fans speculated on what the mood of the team was when the emails broke on the Friday and then they had to play the Bears on the Sunday and how that worked out? Well, this is a story that's much more serious than emails. The emails are a terrible story that took out a head coach. And we covered that story top to bottom and we'll continue. This one had to deal with the loss of life and someone that was killed in a car accident. It's a much bigger story than emails. But from a football perspective, the organization has got to take these two most recent chapters and find a way to play through it. And I know that the leadership is there at the top of the organization with the owner to the head coach and the players in that locker room. And they are all being tested at this point in time. Everybody's being tested around this organization. Uh, Brad in Stockton. Thanks for holding, hey, Brad. Jimmy. You're up next. Go ahead. Hey, bud. I uh, just wanted to bring you on a positive note. I hope you had a good time on Long Island. I'm a former Thank Long you. Islander, and I uh, hope you went to Zorn's and Adventureland and had I a did. little. We went, we went to Zorn's. <laughs> we did. And with a coleslaw was Only amazing at Zorn's. I, <laughs> yeah. I had a roasted chicken. Oh, that's great. I'm glad you did that. But uh, I, I, I'm going to just to repeat, it was a terrible choice he made. That's the mm-hmm. bottom line, like the cops said. I lived yep. in Green Valley also for 10 years, and this is a story that you're tired of hearing, and there's not much more to say. I don't know who he was with, who he could have uh, asked for a ride home, who could have advised him, any number of things that we all know living in town. Like you said, later the night doesn't always go that well, and it's, it's yep. very sad, a young guy to have his future now really in jeopardy i mean they're going to make an example of him and the raiders are in a tough situation and 
it's too bad he fell in the trap and and that's all you can say i i, yeah. I, I don't know yeah. you know it, yeah, keep this, repeating it but uh I'm, i hope you had a good time in long island thank I, you i did appreciate it, you asking a, thank you thank you and uh again this is this is a bigger story than my trip back home to see my folks but i appreciate you reaching out the decision that henry could have made when he got in his vehicle various times last night we all know what the decision should have been period and again as i texted my kids who are both legal and driving one's you know 20 and 18 but they're legal to drive and i i, I always say the same thing in my family my situation is not a drop not a drop you have a drop of alcohol, you don't drive, you leave the keys. My wife, myself, my sons, not a drop. Not one beer, not two beers. Because if you ever go down, and this is not tied into Henry. I don't know what happened with Henry. It's an ongoing investigation. I don't know what he was impaired with. And he was impaired as Metro's talking about this. But what it comes down to is you cannot play that game. You cannot guess when you're okay or when you're impaired or not. You just can't. you got to take yourself out of it. Right out of the gate, when the night begins, you're out. If you're going to have one sip of alcohol, you're not behind the wheel. And if everybody could follow that, and some people have weak moments where they break that tradition that they have. It's a tough world we're navigating through. Sam Munson will join us and Paul Gutierrez the rest of the way. You got to make sure that you have the right focus, the right technique, the right execution every single one of them. So we're going to play to our defense at times, our special teams at times, our offense at times. Uh, I'm not going to hesitate to do that. Like everybody here gets paid, right? Every coach gets paid, every player gets paid. We're here. Everyone's got to do their job. It's Joe Judge, the head coach of the Giants, who I like. I think he says everything right. He really does. He, he says everything right, like Rich Passaccia. Special teams guys, two special teams coaches now becoming head coaches, but. What a meltdown for the Giants last night in the headset scenario where he said the headsets didn't work again. He's burning timeouts because of the headset. you got to be kidding me. They've played five games in five different stadiums of their games so far this year, and Judge said that he's had issues at every stadium with the headsets. You cannot say, you cannot say that. Listen to this soundbite. I played this last night on my national show. Roughly a half hour after he said it, the phones lit up like a Christmas tree in New York. No one could believe that a head coach would say this. Every single stadium this year, home and away, I've had issues personally. Look, I, I don't know. Look, I, I don't want to make this all about headsets. We have things. I'd say this. Whoever's in charge of it, whoever the guys who, look, Jordan, I don't know the exact answer. I don't know if that comes more through the league or us exactly, but they better fix it fast. Yeah, that's it. That's, I, look, I'll get you all the details and stuff later on who does all that stuff. You know, we get the communication back. We say, hey, listen, these things have been an issue. And then we get told they've adjusted this, they've done this, they've done this, whatever it is. Like I said, we try to adjust and use different hardware. It hasn't been allowed, so we'll keep on moving on. Again, look, I don't want to make this about the stupid headsets. That's not what this is about. Yeah, I mean, that wasn't the factor in the game. we got to do other things on our own to make sure we have success. That is mind-blowing. Every game, five stadiums, they've had headset issues. He said on the record they burned timeouts. In a one-possession game, he didn't have timeouts because the headsets, and he's got to calm things down? Too bad. Hand signals. Get something in. Tell your quarterback to figure it out on a fly. As I bring in Sam Munson, who joins us every few weeks from Pro Football Focus, his podcast is amazing. And, Sam, you just heard that. 
What does this all say about the Giants and their lack of control when it comes to the head coach? Yeah, it's not a great um, it's not a great thing to, I guess, be pointing out. He did say when he was making those comments that you know he didn't want to make it about the headsets and it wasn't an excuse and all those kinds of things, but it was something that was clearly getting frustrating for the team and for the Giants who can't seem to get the hardware that's working right now and they've you know offered to change the hardware to other things and haven't been allowed by the league so it does feel like something that is definitely an issue that needs to be fixed but that's not explaining what's going on with the new york giants right now ultimately their offensive line is just getting torn apart by teams and you know it had moved in the right direction earlier this season they were actually giving daniel jones some time to work uh with but it's head, headed backwards at a real rate of knots. Right now it's a major problem, and they don't have receivers to kind of bail them out on the other end. They've, they've got so many injuries right now that it's just Daniel Jones trying to survive behind an offensive line that's getting destroyed. And Sam, I just thought it was interesting when they got the ball back after the interception that they didn't get because they jumped off sides. Reminds me of that game with the Washington football team with the field goal situation, which – is a lack of discipline. It's a penalty. It's a big penalty at the right time. But Jones gets the ball back with an opportunity to get him in field goal range or maybe win the game. And Jason Garrett and him can't get on the same page and run 10-yard in-and-out routes. I, I get that they're going to be blitzing. I understand that Kansas City is going to be bringing full pressure. What did you see in regards to that? The Giants were going backwards on their most important drive of the season with the game on the line. Yeah, and I think unfortunately everything is kind of making various different things worse right now. Daniel Jones was having a career year at, at the start of the season. He was looking like he'd taken another step forward in his development. But now that the offensive line has started to collapse around him, Jones had one of the worst uh, games of his season. He had a, a pretty terrible grade, didn't look good at all, looked confused, looked inaccurate. And I don't think that the the scheme and the passing concepts are helping him either. The entire offense just doesn't look like it has a great appreciation for what it's trying to do right now, let alone being able to actually successfully achieve it. Yeah, Sam Monson's our guest. You know, a lot of things on the broadcast last night, as I was watching it, they kept saying in the broadcast, no one's open. No one's open for Mahomes. I mean, I literally heard it 10 times, and we plugged into the Kurt Warner side of the radio broadcast too. And he was saying this, how come the Chiefs aren't getting off the ball easier than they have in the past? Is it the double team? Is it the defense over the top? Sam, what does the rest of the league see with their offense now? Yeah, I think the Giants were doing some pretty smart things in terms of taking away where the Chiefs want to go with the ball. They've been top-heavy for a while now in terms of, obviously, Travis Kelsey and Tyreek Hill are their two biggest weapons. And if you somehow figure out how to take away both those guys – they have to go to somebody else. And in the past, they've been able to go to Sammy Watkins, and that's when he's had those big monster games with 10 receptions, 150 yards. They don't have that anymore. And if you take away Tyree Kill and Travis Kelsey, there isn't another option. Like They mm-hmm. will try and go to Mecole Hardman, or they'll throw the occasional pass in the direction of somebody else, but there's no one you trust to win those one-on-one matchups on the outside and, and continue that production. So you see the Giants... Uh, we're doing what everybody else was doing in terms of showing in those two high safety looks and sort of daring them to be patient and throw underneath. But then they would use those safeties and kind of bracket cover those two biggest threats. And 
double cover Travis Kelsey and Tyree Kill, leaving other players out on an island one-on-one against the, the number three, number four receiving options. And the Chiefs just don't, they don't trust those guys, and they're not looking for them enough. So all of a sudden, teams, I think, have done a really good job of, of both forcing the, that team to be patient, but also taking away the two guys they want to go to with the football earliest. And when you add those two things together with the fact that they're turning the ball over so much, it's just a recipe for an offense not to function. Sam Munson is our guest, Pro Football Focus. Sam, you tweeted about people who mock the Rams for having no draft picks. Explain to us your analysis of the picks that they've had or what they're giving up and how they're bringing in quality players and what they value more of. Yeah, every time the Rams make a trade and acquire a player, people immediately start talking about how they they just don't value the draft and they're trading away all the draft picks and bringing in players. And it isn't that simple because if you look at – the last five years' worth of drafts, the Rams have averaged over nine draft picks each year. Like, they're not first-rounders, but they make sure they're still picking a lot, um, more than most teams. And they also um, keep a lot of those players around. Like, the Rams rank somewhere between four and seven, depending on the, the kind of measure you're using, of you know, homegrown talent, like roster composition created from the players that you've drafted yourself. Um, so they're they're still drafting a lot. They're, they make sure that they trade down on draft day, and they also work the compensatory pick um, mm-hmm. formula as well. They're going to have a bunch of draft picks this year as well. There'll be more than seven by the time this has all worked its way out. Um, and they use those picks well. And instead of the high-value picks that everybody else covets, the first-rounders, the, the early second-round picks, the Rams flip those picks for proven NFL commodities. They trade for guys like Jalen Ramsey, who completely changes what they do on defense. They trade for a guy like Matthew Stafford, who has transformed that offense from where it was with Jared Goff, and they rely on the fact that they will pay a you know a salary premium for that, but also eliminate some um, guesswork, eliminate some variance from the fact that a lot of those first-round picks for other teams won't hit. So I think it's just it's a more complex um, attitude and, and behavior when it comes to roster building than people are giving them credit for. And right now, I think it's tough to say that it isn't working. Sam Munson joins us. Sam, there's a game that I'm looking at coming up here, the Chargers losing two in a row. The line opened up minus three, now down a one or one and a half at Philadelphia. Philadelphia put up big points and the Chargers, have you noticed anything with Herbert getting too locked in? What he's doing with his read scenario on this losing streak for the Chargers? What are you saying? I think you're just you're seeing the product of them running up against a couple of very smart defenses. You know, a couple of defenses that understand how to cause quarterbacks some problems and show them different things that most teams are not capable of doing. Um, and I, I don't think it's too. I don't think there's any major reason to panic about Justin Herbert, but I do think that Philadelphia matches up pretty well in terms of being able to run the ball and um, exploit what the Chargers' weaknesses are on defense. So this could be a fun game this weekend. Philadelphia's offensive line absolutely destroyed the Detroit Lions, and the Chargers are definitely better than that, but they will invite teams to run the ball, and sometimes they're not sort of strong enough up the middle to stop them when they do that. So... Philadelphia could have some real success with their offense, and then I would expect 
the Chargers' offense to get back on track because Philadelphia's defense is about as vanilla a scheme as there is in the mm-hmm. NFL. They just don't do anything creative. They don't cause you problems. They show you exactly what they're doing pre-snap, and that's the kind of get-right spot for a quarterback as good as Justin Herbert. Sam, what's your analysis say on the 49ers just in general with the injuries that they've had over the last couple of years? They're always trying to put a team on the field that's missing two starters or someone coming back, someone going on IR. I I think this is a must-win for them with Arizona, with Arizona coming off the loss, and that's a one-point to two-point favorite. Arizona on the road feels like a must-win for the 49ers to save their playoff season. Yeah, I think it is, and they're now in this tough spot where they need to figure out sort of when and where this transition to Trey Lance, a quarterback, is going to happen. It felt like Jimmy Garoppolo was – you know, on, on the hot seat a week ago, and then he has the best game of his season, looked like the player he was a couple of years ago, and probably put that back a little bit. But I would imagine he's only ever one bad performance away from that being the glaring question every time it happens. So, you know, Jimmy Garoppolo is just on this constant, this constant hot seat now. Every game needs to be a good game from him. Otherwise, he's going to be under a lot of pressure to yield that spot and see what Trey Lance can do with the whole offense. But I think what we're seeing is that that team isn't as good top to bottom as it was a couple of years ago when it went to the Super Bowl. They they don't have the same level of talent at cornerback. They're missing a few impact players in, in certain positions. But it's still a good team, and you're right. It is a kind of must-win spot for them if they do still have playoff hopes. Sam, do you stand that Tennessee will get to the playoffs because of the division and the schedule in front of them, but they'll have trouble winning a playoff game without Derrick Henry? Yeah, I think that's probably true. I think we're going to get a better understanding now of the next, over the next few weeks of just how important Derrick Henry was to that offense and how much he allowed the passing game to function. You know, there is a sort of chicken-and-the-egg scenario um, about Ryan Tannehill and Derrick Henry and you know, Henry only really exploded when Tannehill arrived. Uh, Tannehill's performance is obviously so much better in Tennessee than it ever was in Miami. So the question being, like, which is the driving force? Was it the fact that Tannehill brings a, a better threat um, in the passing game so suddenly Derrick Henry has an easier job? Or was Derrick Henry creating this all along and only once uh, Tannehill came in and, and not Mariota did you have a quarterback that was able to exploit that situation um i suspect now we're going to see that derrick henry was a real source of that production and whether it's adrian peterson or whoever else they plug in their running back it's just not going to look the same because you know how can it nobody right now is derrick henry or the way he, he can play the game Sam Monson, Pro Football Focus. Sam, last one. Where do you see New Orleans going now with the injury to Jameis Winston? They got a great defense. That was a hell of a performance in the fourth quarter against Brady. But how do they keep the offense moving here over the short term? What do you think their long-term plan is? The good thing is that Sean Payton has this incredible record with mm-hmm. in games with marginal quarterbacks, you know, backups, guys that he's had to deal with for a couple of games here and there. It's actually – an incredible ability that he's had to be able to plug almost anybody in and get in. Um, now they need to figure out what the long-term solution is, at least over the course of this season, and then obviously into the future. Um, and there aren't any great options, whether it's Taysom Hill, whether it's the rookie that they drafted late on, Ian Book, Trevor Simeon has a pretty extensive resume of, of not great play, or 
whether they try and make something happen, you know, in the next couple of hours in terms of a trade deadline. They don't have too many places to go, and I think we might just see them try and cobble something together with Taysom Hill, who has shown flashes of being able to produce, but just doesn't have the deep ball threat that Jameis Winston brings. Thanks, Sam. Always appreciate it. Always listening to the podcast. Thanks for everything you do when you come on with us. Thank you. Anytime. Thanks for having me. Thank you, Sam. Sam Munson, fantastic insider on a day where we wanted to get some football talk here as there's not a lot of movement in regards to the trade deadline. But the Kansas City scenario is very interesting to me because, look, it's been very easy to see. Everybody can see it. That Kansas City's been much better than the Raiders. Much better. They've just had better players. They've won more games. These Super Bowl appearances, they've won a Super Bowl. It's very easy to see. And the problem is now they've fallen off a cliff. So these games now that the Raiders are playing are winnable. Last year, the Raiders played the perfect game and beat them in Kansas City and had them beat with a minute 47 to go in Vegas. That was remarkable considering the Raiders didn't make the playoffs. Now Kansas City's come back to the pack where you could look at the Raiders seriously splitting with Kansas City, not sweeping Kansas City. For those saying, we're going to sweep Kansas City, as I tweeted out last night, if you think Kansas City's dead, you're nuts. You're nuts if you don't think Kansas City's going to figure this out. It's not like Mahomes is hurt, Kelsey's hurt, and you're looking at Tyreek Hill hurt. They got all the players there. They're going through a rut. They're going through a big rut. Will they get it fixed in enough, uh, with enough time to save the season? I don't know. I, I would think Kansas City's going to make the playoffs. If you told me today, yes or no, yeah, Kansas City's going to make the playoffs. They got a lot of wins coming up on that schedule. But they also got a couple of tough games. Sound familiar? It sounds like the Raiders. And the Raiders got to take care of business against the Giants. Period. Physical, beat them, take them out. Don't make this a close game. Like the Jet game last year where they needed a win on that Ruggs. Hail Mary. Because that's not happening in this game for obvious reasons. Paul Gutierrez will join us next. Stick around for that. And we're going to talk to him coming up. Uh, We'll get his latest reporting on what's happening. Ruben in Vegas. Thanks for waiting through the interview. Go ahead, Ruben. Hey, JT. Thank you for taking the call. Nobody's perfect. We all make mistakes. It's a tragic situation. As a Vegas local and, you know, a Raider fan, man, this is the second involved uh, car accident involving a Raider. And we will always get labeled because this is, you did mention earlier, it can happen anywhere. That is true. But we're always going to get labeled since this is a 24-hour city. It's Mm -hmm. tragic and hope for the best. And I'm just, like I said, this is the second accident involving a Raider, you know, with with the other uh, player. But yeah, Josh Jacobs. Get it. Yeah, I, I don't want to say the name, but yeah, yeah. Let's yeah. just hope, man, and pray, and just like I said, nobody's perfect. I ain't perfect. Mm-hmm. Just thoughts and prayers to the victims, just for the family, to Rugg and his family. Uh, after the first Monday night game, I actually ran into uh, one of his people, and he was holding his daughter because they were wearing Rugg jerseys. Yeah. And he said, "Yeah, just heart, you know, heartbroken. You know, just thoughts and prayers and." Thank you. Yeah, you know, he does have a young daughter daughter who's adorable, and he always posts with her, and he's got a family. And, again, this is a tragedy. This is the worst decision he's ever made in his life, and it will stay with him the rest of his life. We all know this. We all all have an understanding about what Henry Ruggs is going to go through, and he's going to need his family and his friends to support him and help him get through this. He's 22 years old. He's 22 years old. 
and he made the mistake of any lifetime. And we're all aware of that. And, you know, you pray for him and you pray for the victim and their families. This is a dark day in Vegas sports history. It's a very dark day. Paul Gutierrez from ESPN next. Carr back into the gun, takes it, flushed out of the pocket, sets a screen, drops it off to midfield. Here comes Jacobs, crosses 35, breaks daylight, down to the 21-yard line. What a beautiful orchestrated screen pass, and that's a play that Lincoln Kennedy for three-plus years has been screaming for the Raiders to run. Oh, my goodness. Thank you. There they are, the team, Brent Musburger, Lincoln Kennedy on the call, JT, on a very difficult day, one of the most tragic days in Raider history when it comes to an incident affecting the team, potentially the fatality car accident of Henry Ruggs III, leaving one person dead. More details coming on this story as it develops. Paul Gutierrez has been on this story all day. And Paul is a UNLV guy and a graduate and someone who knows Vegas very well. I really think this is one of the darkest days in Vegas sports history that it happened to an athlete here in our town. And there's a victim and a family uh, that's affected with this. How do you see the story? Yeah, JT, thanks for having me. And, and, and you're right. It, it's just tragically sad, um, especially when it seems like it could have been avoided. Um, you know, the NFL and the Raiders in particular, I'm sure, have made efforts to try to tell players that if, you know, if you think you may have had too much to drink or you're, you, know, you can't really operate a car, there's, there's plenty of ways to get home or to get from point A to point B. And, and the fact that he's going to be charged with DUI resulting in a death, that, that tells you that, Something was amiss there, and it, it's, it's just terrible. Uh, number one, there was a victim. Uh, number two, uh, what Henry Ruggs may have done to himself and to, and to his family, what he may have to, to live with with his career as well. So it's just a terrible, terrible day when, when you look at it, when you pull back and look at everything that's involved. Yeah, what, what does your reporting tell you on this going forward? How do you cover this story? You're a big-time pro from a football perspective and how this team's going to react. Yeah, I, I think you let it breathe for a little bit. Um, obviously, tomorrow is their first day back in practice. And, and that, again, that's just the thing that I can't wrap my mind around is, is you know, you, the Raiders are already dealing with a strange situation with John Gruden's resignation uh, less than a month ago, right? Uh, mm. Interim coach Rich Versace has them off for two wins. Uh, they're feeling good about themselves, and he tells them. It, it's the message of every team at going on to their bye. Be smart. Be smart, be smart, be smart. And they returned. They were back on Monday. Um they had the day off and practice tomorrow. So how this team responds is, is, is going to be the bellwether of it all, right? Because they're obviously saddened for their teammate, for their brother. But there are victims involved that are a result of his negligence, it seems. So you, you try to take it that way, and then you look at these redemption stories that the Raiders are already rich with, with Darren Waller mm, overcoming yeah. his addiction, Max Crosby going into rehab to attack his, his demons head-on and, and, and defeating them. Um, it's just, again, it's just really, really hard to wrap your mind around. But as you cover it from a football perspective, you try and see, you know, this team seemed like it had a, some pretty positive things going forward. Now you look at it and you're like, okay, well, they're going cross country. Um, we'll see how they respond tomorrow when they're out there on the practice field and when whoever they bring into the media room for us uh, comes in and, and explains things. Derek Carr will be one of them. We do know that. Paul Gutierrez is our guest. We had Coach Flores on, as we always do with you 
on Tuesdays, and he says there's no book about this. There's no blueprint, and obviously he's concerned about how this team reacts, and it's a new head coach in Rich Passaccia who's been pressing all the right buttons here. And you mentioned Carr, Paul. I think it's another huge moment in his career to represent this organization and get it in front of everybody like he did on the Gruden resignation and nail it and have comforting words, show sympathy. He's a faith-based guy, as we both know, and, and prove his leadership again. Not that he's got to prove it to many people outside the building, but I think this is where Carr was put to be here at this time, and he can help guide this team in the locker room. Yeah, as long as he's able to, to compartmentalize it himself. I mean, he, he did say something that was interesting right before the bye where he said that, uh, you know, he really hadn't had a time to process all the emotions he was feeling after the resignation of John Gruden. So I did wonder, well, what's going to happen now that he's got a week and a plus to kind of marinate in it? What's, what's the result going to be? Well, now you come out of that and you're dealing, you know, with a player, a teammate um, involved in an accident in which somebody lost their life. I mean, how do you process that, let alone, you know, playing a game for a living and at the same time being a human being? Um, there's a lot to process. There's a lot to compartmentalize. And, and again, you know, at the risk of sounding disrespectful towards the victim and the victim's family, it, it, you know, it, it's just it's just terrible. It is really, really just terrible all the way around. Paul Gutierrez, let's talk football in the last few minutes we have. Watching that game last night, it was a must-see TV for any Raider fan. You get Kansas <laughs> City in the division, and you get the team you played next. What a mess the Giants were late in that game, but what stood out to me is how good they played defensively. Kurt Warner on the radio broadcast, they said it on the TV, even on the Manning cast. Peyton Manning said, no one's open. So when you look at the Giants and the way they defended Mahomes in the passing game, Carr's going to be looking at that same defense, and there weren't a lot of Chiefs running free. Yeah, and, and that's the thing, especially with the speed that the Chiefs have, right, with Tyreek Hill. He just could not get open downfield. Um, it's going to call upon Derek to use that, that intermediate short-range passing game that he's got and, and uh, uh, Jalen Richard coming out of the backfield, Josh Jacobs coming out of the backfield as long as he's okay. Um, you know, and obviously Henry Ruggs won't be available, so we'll see exactly if there's anybody to kind of step in those shoes if that's even part of the game plan because, number one, it starts with the offensive line. they gotta con- they got to – control the trenches and they got to keep Derek upright and clean which they have Edmund sacked in six uh, straight quarters so, mm. so that's a good thing if they can get the run game going they should be okay um, that was a sloppy ugly nasty game to watch last night and the Giants had them they really had them but then yeah. there they you know, the self-inflicted wounds I mean the the jumping off sides on the on the Mahomes interception the the taunting when he just rolled the ball forward and as soon as he did it went oh I saw that play before Darren Darren Waller did something similar and they flagged him Sure enough, there it was. And then just they just could not get off the field, the phantom face mask uh, penalty. So it's real ugly, and, and I would assume that the Giants like to get ugly anyway, and they could make this a real ugly game with the Raiders, who you're not sure exactly where their heads are going to be anyways. Uh, Paul, lastly, I, I read just on Twitter here a little while ago that Deshaun Jackson was released uh, with the Rams, and if you look at other players that can step in, what do you think could happen here? It's got to be Zay Jones, right? Zay Jones is a deep threat. All we heard about was his speed, his preparation, how hard he works. Does he take over for Ruggs? Is this the guy who's got to be on the field more and step up and make more plays? Oh, he's got to be because he's the one that kind of plays that same position anyways, mm-hmm. and, and there's already a built-in trust between Derek and, and Zay Jones. Uh, so, yeah, he, he's the guy to look for to see if he's going to step in. And, you know, there's names out there, obviously. Again, no disrespect to what's just happened, but 
people already claiming, you know, for Deshaun and for OBJ and this, that, and the other. They may actually have the answer already in the locker room because you know that uh, Zay Jones has the utmost trust and respect of Derek Carr already, and that's half the battle with Derek Carr. Thanks, Paul. Talk to you. Thanks a lot for doing this. Appreciate it. Take care. Take care. All right, Paul Gutierrez, ESPN. I'm sure he'll have more reporting on the story coming up today with the fatality car accident that Henry Ruggs was involved with. He'll be charged, Las Vegas Metro saying, with DUI in a fatality. And I I just don't know what to say anymore. The last two hours kind of went by, and I don't know where, where I've been the last two hours. I mean, I'm trying to bring this all in and try to figure it out. How does this affect the football team who we all care about? But we have to think of this family first, and I do. I really am grieving for this family and the victim and can't imagine who this person is and what that family's life's going to be like going forward. And for Henry and to be sympathetic for his future and what he will have to deal with, he's, he's going to have to need the support of his family and friends to help him guide him through this difficult time because this is the biggest chapter and the biggest mistake and tragedy of his life, and he's part of the family. Once a Raider, always a Raider in your best moments and in your worst moments, and how the team and the organization can pull through this. The game coming up here, that's what we're doing the rest of the week. Bill Williamson will join us tomorrow. Jim Plunkett coming up on Friday. I got Lee Hacksaw Hamilton coming in. I got the pre- and post-game host for the Giants uh, coming on either tomorrow or Thursday. And uh, my conversation with Rich Passaccia, which I'll have on Thursday. We will host the pre-game show Sunday, early morning start, leave 8 o'clock in the morning. We'll be over at M Resort Spa and Casino. So come on out. They they built a new set for us, Eric Allen and myself. And they have a whole area to hang out and gravitate to right outside the Raiders Tavern and Grill. Make a reservation and come on out for breakfast and see us there and stay through the game. Rolling Stones are in town on Saturday night. Canelo's fighting. I think this is the first Canelo fight I've ever missed in Vegas, covering Canelo's entire career because the Rolling Stones are more important to me than Canelo, but that comes up here this weekend. So when you have a, you have the biggest rock band of all time, arguably, in the world in Vegas, on top of a, heavy, a, a, a big fight, a huge fight, Canelo, Plant, that's a great fight coming up. And then everything else that I don't even know about. We've got to get Johnny Katz on the show. Oh, Steph McKenzie, newest member of the Nevada Broadcasting Hall of Fame. I want to congratulate Natalie, our boss here at Lotus. She's a Hall of Famer. Eric Rodriguez gets into the Hall of Fame. Yeah, they let us in, Bobby, a few years ago. Raiders took out a big ad in the magazine. Never forget that. I greatly appreciate that as a keepsake. Oh, and Chet Buchanan. Uh, Chet does so much in this community. Uh, Everybody congratulate Chet Buchanan in Vegas for being a new member of the Nevada Broadcasting Hall of Fame. Try to make the best of the day, everybody. We'll have more coverage on the Ruggs accident, the fatality car accident. Cue into Vinny Bonsignor, who I'm sure will have up-to-date reporting on this, and we'll see you back tomorrow.